Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to WRSU The Crew Friday edition from your own WRSU FM New Brunswick. I'm Jake Maystel along with Gideon Fox and Brett Hahn on the Zoom. How you doing today, Giddy? <laughs> Jake, I'm doing great. Um, it is great to be back in studio, back on crew. Um, I wasn't really around as much as, as much as I would have liked to have been this summer. Um, kind of a lot of things happening. Um, so now it's great to be back. Looking forward to being back on campus for the year. You know, a lot of people are moving in um, to some various places on campus today. So it's nice to see some action on campus. Uh, just great to be back and excited to talk some sports with you guys. Yeah, it is exciting to talk sports with you again. I haven't seen you all summer, so it's nice to see you again. We have Brett coming in. Brett, can you hear us? Yeah, I, I lost service literally right as the crew music started. It was the weirdest thing. But now I'm here. I can hear you guys loud and clear. How are you doing today, Brett? Good, man. It's been a long. It's been a long day. But that that last song, right before the music started, right before the crew music started, got me ready for the show. So I don't know if you guys heard it, but it was as close as we'll get to scream metal on WRS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one. So I th- I think today we should. I know all summer, at least on Friday crew, we've been starting off usually with baseball talk, but I think today we're going to shift gears. It's almost September. That means it's almost football season. We're going to start with some football talk. Uh, and Giddy, you said you wanted to talk a little bit of college football first. What you got for us? Well, I mean, we're we're on college football eve. Um, one of the greatest terms in sports, I think, is week zero, um, which is like the start of the college football season. It's not not every team will be in action. Um, tomorrow, of course, we know Rutgers will be back in action September 3rd at Boston College, um, and we will have all of that here starting at 11 a.m. But tomorrow um, starts off with some pretty noteworthy, interesting, fun, and different games. Um, starting off at 12.30 Eastern uh, is Northwestern versus Nebraska, which if that was within the 50 states of the United States, probably I would not be tuning in. Um, but it is in Ireland. <laughs> Um, they're playing at a rugby stadium. Um, I don't know the exact city it's in, but I mean, I think that that's a, just a cool way to start off. You you got me very interested there because when you started saying fifty states, I got very confused. I was about to be like, you you saying Nebraska's mistake, Giddy? <laughs> um, I know we like to we, I know we like to tease them here about their inclusion in the Big Ten, but um, but yeah, in Ireland, a college football game that is that's very unusual, and, and a Big Ten matchup, you know. No less. So that that'll be very interesting to see. Uh, I don't know if I'll personally have time to tune in for that game tomorrow, but um, I I definitely recommend checking it out. It's always fun to see football played overseas. Yeah, and like you're saying, Jake. I mean, it's cool that it starts off with the Big Ten. Um, it's not like these are the you know the the annual powerhouses of the conference, but it's it's just cool to see teams that we probably wouldn't watch if they weren't playing. Um, they weren't playing Rutgers. Um, and it's cool to see them play in, you know, in other countries, see them playing in Dublin, in Ireland. So we'll be interesting. It's also at 1230. So, I mean, it starts off the day with that. Um, I mean, other than that, it's just kind of some smaller games. I think Illinois is playing a non-conference game tomorrow. Um, yep, they're playing Wyoming. Yeah, exactly. So we'll keep, you know, 
Big Ten is still has a couple teams in action, but I'm just excited to start off the day with some Nebraska Northwestern football. Yeah, and and um, it's kind of like you were saying, getting like the, these two teams weren't the best in the Big Ten by any stretch, but I think them getting national TV exposure will only be beneficial for their programs. And the last time these two teams played was uh, October 2nd of last year, where Nebraska actually beat Northwestern by a score of 56 to seven in a handy blowout. Um, so it, it, it will be up to Northwestern to avenge that game coming into this season with uh, momentum. And who knows? Maybe one of these teams will have a surprise season. I mean, it's always the people you don't think about that do the most that do the most unexpected things. So I'm curious to see what these guys can do tomorrow. I'm I'm also interested in in this game. I'll definitely be keeping track of it. Um, but it's not just college football that is right around the corner. We got the NFL season coming up. And if you're a fan of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and you've been watching them the past few years, there's a few guys in the NFL right now that you should be paying attention to. Uh, and I, I think we should start off by highlighting probably the most notable one. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, who was drafted in this year's NFL draft in the seventh round by the Kansas City Chiefs, he has been a standout in training camp and in the preseason for them. And he, I've been watching their preseason game pretty closely. He's been running with the first team. He's been running with Patrick Mahomes. And I, I, the, I don't think he's going to end up starting, but basically he, he's all but locked up his spot on the team to start the year. Yeah. I mean, on paper, yeah. this is for a couple of weeks. He was, he's been the kickoff returner and that's kind of when all the hype started really, the, the hype publicly started building. Once he was named that kickoff returner just a couple couple weeks ago, before before even it was like, oh, who's this guy? Is a Pacheco? Maybe I'll draft him in fantasy. Maybe you know, and and his name started becoming more well known around the football world. Um, it all started where we're going to see Isaiah Pacheco at least on special teams. I mean, we've known that for a couple weeks. Now it looks like Jake, you're saying we're going to see him much more than just special teams. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be seeing him probably quite a bit. He, he'll probably be in a in a secondary role. Looks like. Because generally when you see a young guy like that, you know, a young rookie like him running with the first team offense in the preseason in training camp, generally what that means is the coaching staff feels pretty good about their, about, you know, what they got in that player and they want to feature them in that offense in some way. And especially when it comes to Kansas City, they're all about, you know, they're all about speed. They're all about athleticism on that offense, which was you know, one of the big things for Isaiah Pacheco, he was one of the fastest players coming out of the draft this year. So, you know, it, it seems he's definitely wowed them a lot with both, you know, his his athleticism and his on-field talent. And, and one thing that makes it exciting is that, you know, I mean, he's he was a seventh-round draft pick. So, you know, most players, when they're drafted, can feel pretty good about their spot on an NFL team. But... When you get drafted in the seventh round, it's kind of a crapshoot whether or not you're actually going to make the team because if a, if an undrafted guy comes on the scene who who really breaks out in training camp, they could steal your roster spot and that could that could be it. But Isaiah Pacheco seems like he's locked down his roster spot, and and it shows. You know they're they're treating him like one of their one of their better players. <laughs> Alice Gordon, if you're listening right now. I don't care that the fact that WRC Fantasy is not a dynasty league. If this man is not your first overall draft pick, 
next Monday, I'm going to be very disappointed. This is the first overall pick. He's going to be a stud. Brett, I took him in a dynasty draft a couple days ago. Uh, that's a smart move. What, what round did you get him in? I got him fourth. I got him late fourth. Bo Melton went right after him, <laughs> uh, which is kind of cool. But, I mean, I was I traded up in the fourth because I was, like, a little nervous. I had the eighth pick. Uh, I think I got him at the third of the fourth. The third pick of the fourth round. Sorry, that was a little confusing. Um, just because, like, okay, it might be cool to have Pacheco. And I was like, okay, like, you know what? It's a dynasty draft. Like, I may as well just, you know, it's, it's the fourth round. I got, I you know, I filled the holes um, on my team in the early rounds. I was like, you know what? It's a, like, I may as well. I, I don't want to see him go away. And there's another Rutgers guy in the league, so I don't want him to pick him up later. Yeah, no, that was a smart move. And and the way he's the way he's going, you know, he, he might have a, he might have a pathway to getting snaps early. I mean, it's kind of like you said before, like he's got the primary kick returner job at lock already. So he's going to make the roster. It's just right now you got Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon at the one and two spots, but Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards Hilaire both are not known for their health. So Pacheco could see a significant workload early if things go his way. I mean, obviously you don't pray for injuries on anybody. But you want to see the guy succeed in the league. And I, I want to see him become a dominant workhorse for one of the best teams in football. That'd be quite the story. And the other side of that is Pacheco, I mean, he, he didn't get hurt in college. He missed two games out of his entire career. So, I mean, he's he was the workhorse at Rutgers. He was able to take hits. He was able to do what he did running behind not great offensive lines. Um, and now, I mean, last night against the Packers, or the other night against the Packers, um, Ten, he had 10 touches for 52 yards. He had an 18-yard run that was eventually overturned. I think it was a holding penalty. Yeah, it was a, it was a holding penalty. So, I mean, he still ripped off a 13-yard run that counted. Um, 10 touches, 52 yards, you know, against the Packers. This guy's playing with the Chiefs, who are just an absolute wrecking ball of, of an offense. Um, it's exciting. It's cool to see his name listed with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, just like you were saying, Brett. And, and you mentioned that 18-yard run that came back. Now, in, in the regular season, obviously, you know, you, you want if, – if an 18-yard run comes back, you know, it just doesn't feel, doesn't feel that great because you want those big plays. But in the preseason, even if it gets called back due to a penalty, they notice that. The coaches notice when you make big plays like that. So that – it might not count on the stat sheet, but it, it'll count in the eyes of the coaches. They're looking. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, continuing along the NFL train – you know, I feel like you got to talk about the whole Aaron Donald having two helmets in his hand situation when during joint practice. I want to get your guys' thought on that, and could it potentially lead to a suspension down the line? So my thought on this, just just from thinking about it, is, I mean, you're going to take the two teams that played each other in the Super Bowl just half a year ago, and you're going to make them do a joint practice together. Doesn't sound like a recipe for a very friendly practice to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, it, it really depends. I didn't see the whole clip, so I don't know if he was. What was was he like? Actually, swinging those helmets around, or was he just hold, holding them? I mean, from a certain angle, it looked like he was. He was a. Uh, he was at least throwing the one helmet around because it started out with a. I believe it was Leal Collins of the Bengals threw a punch, sucker punch at somebody, and that's what prompted this team-wide scuffle. Yeah. And I, pissing off Aaron Donald is never a good move. I mean, the man was definitely holding the helmets, but from one angle it looked like he swung at least one of them. 
Yeah, so. I, I would say a suspension could certainly be likely. I don't think it would be a big one, no more than three games, especially since it's Aaron Donald and you know how the NFL is. They try to keep their star players out of as much trouble as possible. So, you know, I mean, if, if it's nothing too serious, maybe like a one or two game suspension, then, you know. I mean, here's the thing. It's Miles Garrett was suspended for six games um, when he was swinging a helmet during altercation. Sure, that was during a game, not a practice, but Aaron Donald has had has has displayed anger in unproductive ways on the football field before. I'll put it that way, where he's taken off his helmet, smashed it onto the field, and it hasn't harmed other players. Um, but, I mean, he's been thrown out of games before, and he's he doesn't really take things like that. You know, if someone were to throw a punch at him, he's not the guy that's going to walk away from it. Um, and in a heated game where, I mean, this sure, this was just a practice between teams that just played in the Super Bowl, yes. But if this happens in, in the middle of a game, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. If Aaron Donald, who has the pressure of, of everybody thinking he's the best defensive lineman in all of football, um, if something goes wrong or if he there's a call that doesn't go his way, um, anything like that, and he lashes out, I mean, it could be a very, very... It could be an explosive situation. Um, you know, I don't think this is going to be as big of a punishment as Miles Garrett got, um, just because this was during the practice. But I do think that before the season starts, um, you do kind of have to make an example of someone um, just to show what's going to fly during the year and what's not. And if anything like this were to happen during a game, if someone were to throw a punch at Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald were to fire back and end up swinging two helmets at another team in the middle of an NFL game on any given Sunday, I mean, they would be there would be a huge punishment. But if you were to start making an example of him now, it's still August, you know, final week of the preseason is here. Uh, if, you made a, if you make an example of him now and set the tone for how you're going to police the rest of the season, um, just kind of get it out of the way now, say this is how we're going to do things, I think it could be productive um, and we'll kind of, you know, end the problem before it gets even worse. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Just kind of remind players that, you know, while this is a very emotional, intense, violent game, you know, we want to we want to keep things we, we want to keep things, you know, as safe as possible. Right. You know, we don't want to we don't want to just endanger other players for no reason after a play is over. You know, we want to keep our emotions in check. You know, I, I, I think I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, pl- player safety is something that the NFL has been cracking down on for, I, I mean, for years. It's starting with the quarterback rules, you know, l- lately with uh, more emphasis on uh, helmet-to-helmet hits, um, pass interference calls, uh, all, all, all these different things that the NFL is just doing, not only to it, police the game kind of like what you guys are saying, but also, you know, just to make it, uh, make it a safer game to play and something that will prolong – the NFL's continued success and encourage younger generations to continue playing the game, despite concerns of uh, CTE and other things that come up. Now, uh, you know, uh, what was I going to say? I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> um, you know, for, uh, overall for the NFL, I mean, look, like, you know, just it's, less, it's a week and a half away now, September 8th, Thursday, it's going to start. You know, uh, I'm excited to see where, where it goes. You know, I, I, I want to see the Jets actually do something for once. But, you know, expecting one of my teams to actually be successful is uh, is like 
you know, it's like lightning striking a human twice. It's just hey, not going to hey, happen. Hey, 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 hey. Let's, so. not, let's, not, let's not go there yet. You still we'll, – we'll get into it more later in the show, but, I mean, you, New York Mets are still rolling. They are still rolling. Something's going to happen, though. I don't, know about that. I don't know about that. I kind of wanted to continue on with football a little bit more, though, because we, we got other records players in the NFL. We got Bo Melton, who was drafted in the seventh round by the Seattle Seahawks. I've been watching him closely in the preseason, too. And, you know, he he, had some, he he's been having kind of a different story to Isaiah Pacheco. His, his production's been good, but I think he's kind of been hurt by having, I mean, it, it's a familiar situation, I think, because here at Rutgers he didn't have great quarterback play and once again in Seattle not great quarterback play so I mean what who would you rather have throwing you the football giddy um Noah Vedral Geno Smith or Drew Locke (laughs) oh that's tough I mean I would take any of the of the latter two based off of O-line quality um the Rutgers O-line was was like Swiss cheese last year in terms of injuries. It, coming into the year, they looked like it could be a pretty decent unit, um, but because of injuries, it kind of fell apart. I mean, in this situation, I'm going to take... I mean, Geno Smith, he's got the experience. Um, I just worry that with Seattle, any quarterback you put in the situation is going to be looking at... You have guys like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Um, it's hard to look past guys like that. Yeah, it's certainly going to be hard for Bo Melton to really stand out on a team like that that already has such talented wide receivers. But, you know, I mean, it's a new era in Seattle. We'll see what happens. He, he I, I can imagine, I, I imagine that he'll probably be able to make the roster and stick on it for at least a year. You know, we'll see what happens going forward. He's, he's obviously very talented. You know, and he showed that during during the preseason, so... You know, I think Seattle can really use him. Uh, what do you, What do you think, Brett? <laughs> yeah, I mean that three headed quarterback race. I think it's Geno by a landslide. Um, you know, he 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 may not have the best football IQ, but the man's got one of the strongest arms I've seen. So uh, that alone, I think, should get him a chance. Uh, Drew Locke, you know, Drew Locke is like playing Jordan Love out there. You just don't want to do that. And and Noah Vedral as much. You know, I, I I love Rutgers football. We haven't, you know, he's not really the most promising prospect. So I, I wouldn't want him manning my NFL team at all. Um, but Rutgers players that I do want on my roster, though, and has made his presence felt with Tampa is Mr. Olakunle Fadukasi. Yes, sir. He's <laughs> been outstanding all offseason. So I, I, he, he might he has a legit shot at a roster spot as well. Yes, I I believe in both of his preseason games so far, he led the team in tackles both games, <laughs> which is really really good. I mean, obviously, you know you're going to lead over the starters because they they play like five minutes, but you know I mean that's still really impressive out of all the players on the roster for for him to be the one leading the team in tackles after a game, even if it's a preseason game. Certainly, I mean. He, he certainly looked really good this offseason. I'm I'm excited to hopefully see him on the Tampa Bay roster this regular season. He was obviously very talented at Rutgers, and I'm hoping he can show that on the big stage. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Jake. I mean, he, he's leading the Bucks right now in the preseason tackles, tackles for loss, and he's tied for the team leading sacks. 
I mean, granted, it's two games with a small sample size, but still, for a guy who wasn't drafted and is fighting for a chance at a roster spot and has a chip on his shoulder because his brother made the NFL in the same way, I mean, it, it's just it's just incredible to see and really an inspirational story. Yeah. Um, I've also I've also heard some good things coming out of uh... – the LA Chargers uh, training camp about Trey Avery. It, I believe he's the one playing for the Chargers these days. Also undrafted out of Rutgers. I don't. I haven't really been able to see most of their games because they play late at night. Um, but I I've heard good things. What have you heard anything about him, Brett? I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I've been covering the Jaguars most of this off season, but Trey Avery. <laughs> I, I mean, he he was. He was a solid, uh, he was a solid corner rucker. He's twenty five years old, so he's a little bit on the older side. But I mean, if if he can get on the roster, you know, he he's got decent size, five eleven, one eighty one. Um, so I think I I think sky's the limit as long as you you get on the team. I haven't really watched much of Tampa or not Tampa, excuse me. I haven't watched much of Tennessee at all. Um, I feel like the main yeah, thing that I've heard out of there has been, uh, you know, Derek Henry's health. Uh, Ryan, you know, hopefully Ryan Tannehill can return to being a prominent passer. He regressed in a big way last year, and it caused a lot of issues. Um. So, but 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 in terms of Rutgers players, Trey Avery, I, I'm rooting for the guy's success. He's definitely got an uphill battle to make a spot, but. You know, if he continues to stand out, like you're saying, Jake, then I don't see a reason why he wouldn't have a chance, especially on special teams. Yeah, I think special teams is where we're going to see a lot of the guys that we just talked about, um, excluding Pacheco for the at least the beginning of the season. Um, I mean, you look at, like I was saying before, you look at the wide receiver room for the Seahawks, and, and that's not an easy room to, to just walk into. I mean, it's DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett are, are your one and two. Um, and just one looks of it, I mean, Tyler Lockett's your veteran. DK Metcalf is, has, you know, been, been... He just signed a big contract, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, DK just got paid. So for a guy like Boat Mellon, you're going to have to, you know, work wherever they put you. Um, and, you know, everything's kind of different for Pacheco. Um, but right now for guys like Boat Mellon, Trey Avery, um, they're kind of going to fill in where, where they're needed. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, the oh, I'm sorry. No, go <laughs> the ahead. The delay, man. <laughs> um, no, and I mean, it it, it kind of goes back to the Titans' cornerback depth as well. I mean, they're not the best unit. Uh, they're not the best unit in the league, but they certainly have guys that can contribute at the position. I mean, I, just looking at it now, I'm trying to get this up. They have, you know, they got Christian Fulton. He's a good young option. Um, got uh, may I mean mainly a lot of young guys. I mean Caleb Farley, Farley, uh, Roger McCreary, Chris Jackson, Elijah Molden, all all young talent. So I mean Trey Avery, you know, in in terms of fitting in the timeline, can definitely do so. Um, it it's just proving to the coaching staff and the front office that you're a more promising young prospect than one of the other guys that they have, which is a challenge. But you know, kind of like what Gideon was alluding to what I was saying a little bit before, if if you can show, you know, if you can show hustle grit and really stand out, maybe like on special teams 
or or in the limited snaps that you're given in the preseason, then really you you have a chance to stick. And what's the worst case scenario? You can make the practice squad. So, and if you really stand out and they waive you and try to put you in the practice squad, another team will come in and claim you. So the career of Trey Avery is young, but it's still full of so much potential. And I think uh, I also have Tyreek Maddox Williams uh, on the Chargers, who's been getting some some notes um, as of recently. He was like, I forgot the exact stat, um, but he kind of had a quiet preseason up until last week um, when he was getting he was on the field for many more snaps um, and was getting some recognition by ESPN and some other outlets. Um, but I mean, the overall thing is is Pacheco's going to be where all. All Rutgers fans are going to be watching Pacheco this year. And, do, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Do you need an excuse to watch the Chiefs play football? <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I think also, being that he is an offensive player, um, then you he has he has the fantasy advantage over any of the defensive players that are drafted out of Rutgers. I mean, let's say, let's say Trey Avery had the same kind of training camp and preseason that Isaiah Pacheco had and was gaining all this hype. The hype at some point for us living in New Jersey would just the balance is just different because it's not like we're we're constantly researching cornerbacks and defensive backs and defensive line before we go into the NFL season. At least myself, I'm looking at the quarterbacks, looking at the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the guys that are going to play on my fantasy team. Um, and Pacheco has there's a whole other other angle to take on it you could talk about him being a sleeper you could talk about him being having late round value you could talk about him being a great handcuff um to Clyde Edwards Hilaire if it, if it ends up going that way um and that's an advantage that any offensive player has over a defensive player um so I think just from the the convenience and the different angles you could take we're going to hear a lot more about Pacheco this year uh versus any other Rutgers former Rutgers player now in the NFL yeah, we certainly are, and I, for one, am very excited. He's the first player in several years to be drafted at a Rutgers as an offensive player, so that's obviously very exciting. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will have locks of the week for you where we give you our betting advice. Uh, make it that what you will. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Friday crew on WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Welcome back to the Friday Crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick. And you know what time it is. It is time for everyone's favorite part of the show, Locks of the Week, where we give you our betting advice that if if you ask me, you probably shouldn't take because we all I'll take it every time. Guaranteed. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we are guaranteed dumpster at WRSU. <laughs> but that said... We're going to give it to you anyway, whether you like it or not. So <laughs> I'm going to start off here with uh, we've got we've got a series this weekend. The battle for Pennsylvania in Major League Baseball. We got the Pittsburgh Pirates at the Philadelphia Phillies. And looking at this. Phillies are favored 
according to ESPN Analytics matchup predictor, they 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 got three quarters of a, they're they're the favorite by almost seventy four point two percent, which in this one game alone, and looking at them for the rest of the series, it's looking like it's probably going to be the same thing. Three game series this weekend, I think. The Phillies are gonna are gonna lose one game in this series, and I think that's gonna be tonight against Pittsburgh, because if I'm not mistaken, this is Bryce Harper's first game back, isn't it? Yes, yes, Bryce Harper is back tonight. Yeah, so, and Zach Wheeler's gone. So, so <laughs> it, it being his first game back, he's gonna be in the starting lineup. You know, he might be a little rusty. I think the Phillies will lose by one run tonight, but they will take the next two games on Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah, that's that I'm going with that. I'm going with the Pirates to win tonight at Philly. <laughs> it's Pirates they're playing in Philly. Yes. Okay, interesting. So you have to consider the home field implications. Con- consider the the home field advantage, which is to say I don't I don't really know what kind of home field advantage that is. I mean, they. I suppose they have more fans in the ballpark because the Phillies have a winning record. <laughs> <laughs> true. They're true, they're true. not really they're not really that different. If though, if we're if we're being honest, between the Pittsburgh fans and the Philly fans, they're all they're all the same brand of crazy. So. <laughs> okay. No. No one's at no one's at Philly fan level uh, of crazy. That that's 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 a unique level. We're we're we're, we're talking we're talking baseball, not football here. So. <laughs> I'm 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 thinking it's about it's if there's sports and there's Philadelphia in the name it's all the same. Wow. <laughs> I mean maybe yeah the Eagles are the birds hold a different different place in their hearts. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I could go next. Um, I'll stay with baseball, but I'm gonna go a little different. Um, I don't know if you guys do Nerfy bets on the crew. Nerfy. Why don't Why don't you explain for oh, everybody at home and myself? <laughs> gladly, gladly. So there's there's Nerfy and Yurfy. Um Nerfy's the more common one. It's called it's no it stands for no runs first inning. Meaning that the over underscore for the first inning will be 0.5 you bet on the under. Um no runs first inning. There's also Yurfy, yes runs first inning. Um I think it's more exciting to bet on the no runs first inning because it's the top of the order for both teams. You could argue those are going to be almost your three best hitters. Sometimes your four but hitters you are going to be even better. you got starting pitchers out there. Well, that's the thing, too. But may, they might not be settled in yet, right? It might. It's the first inning. You know, people are still getting to their seats. Starting pitchers are still feeling everything out. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, it's also great because if you hit a nerfy parlay, or a nerfy bet, excuse me, um, and it hits, and you make money off of it, then you have their eight other innings to, to put that money on. Um, or if you're at the game, you could go buy go buy a snack, go buy a bag of peanuts or something. Um, so for Nerfies tonight, the biggest one when I was looking around before um, is the Guardians tonight. Uh, they're playing the Mariners. The odds Ooh. aren't great. It's minus 160, um, so you're going to have to parlay that with something. Uh, There's also the late game tonight because it is in Seattle. Um, both of the team's aces are going to be on the mound tonight. Um Shane Bieber is kind of a, a well-known name around the Nerfy community. He this year he's twenty and three uh, when it comes to Nerfies, and on the road he's been twelve and two. Um, so this is a guy that I trust that he won't let the home crowd get into his head. Um, he'll just kind of settle in, do his thing, get his three outs, move on. Um, and 
I don't Gilbert is pitching for the Mariners. I don't know as much about him. Um, but seeing Shane Bieber on the mound tonight is what drew me to this bet. Um, I'm going to say you take Nerfie in the Guardians-Mariners game tonight at 10-10. So no runs in the first inning tonight of that game. Exactly. And then, you know, if you could you could get crazy and bet your fees on the Yankees and then they never hit. So, you know, hey, there's hey, that. Hey, there's hey, that. hey, hey, hey. The Yankees, they went out and hit last night. <laughs> yes, that, that is true. But, I mean, they hit against, like, a junior varsity team that play in a empty stadium. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that, though. No, especially after what the Yankees have been doing the last couple of weeks. So I, you know, a win is a win. Um, shouldn't I don't want to get down too hard on the Yankees, but yeah, <laughs> Nerfy tonight, Guardians, Mariners, no runs first inning, minus one sixty. Partly that was something throwing the Yankees money line. I feel like or Yankees spread. Um, have some fun with that. We got for us, Brett. Well, I made this lock one time earlier and it succeeded so i'm gonna do it again oh no um, the, the the yankees and the athletics are set to play tonight and you know garrett cole's on the mound for the yankees and you got jp sears no not the hardware store the pitcher uh, uh, on the mound yankees for legend. the athletics and yeah former yankee he, he's been performing well but it's kind of like giddy was saying the athletics are a junior varsity organization i mean they traded most of their talent away and they're in that rebuilding phase so I did this bet earlier in, in, in the summer, and I'm going to go with it again. It is Aaron Judge to hit a home run and the Yankees to win. $10 to win 31 I mean, I mean, Brett, we, we could talk about how much of a cop-out bet that is, <laughs> but I think it's a very safe one that's likely to hit. So it make, it, it's good for a lock. But I feel like this is the second time you're bringing this up. You're gonna you're gonna play it that safe again. <laughs> I, I well, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, what? I, I guess it kind of is safe. Brett, did you say it actually... hit last time or it missed last time? No, it hit. Oh, okay, it okay. Time. I think they're playing the Royals. Mm-hmm. When it hit, okay. You know, Aaron Judge is on a historic pace here. PEDs, but I don't think he is. Um. He, he, he's just hitting home runs in every single game. So, I mean, the, the Yankees are definitely going to win with Cole on the mound, and I see no reason why against J.P. Sears that Aaron Judge won't stick it to him and hit another homer. Well, he's been he's cooled off a little bit as of late. Um, yeah, but he's homered in like I think in multiple games in a row. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself real quick. I, I know against the Mets he hit homers in both games, and then. He didn't have a home run last night, but he went one for four. He had an RBI again. Well, nobody I hit mean, a homer last night for the Yankees. Yeah, and and look, they're they're at Oakland. I mean, it's Oakland's not an easy place to hit a ball out. No, it's not. No, not at all. But if anybody can do it, it's Aaron uh, Judge. So so I got faith. Right. Listeners at home. Regardless of what you choose to do, take our gambling advice. All we do is win. All right, so I I got one more. I got a question for all of you. Uh, over under on Ellis Gordon taking Isaiah Pacheco with the first overall pick in the WRSU fantasy football draft. <laughs> I think Ellis has has realized that if if that happens, the ridicule that would ensue is just not worth anything. Even if he drafts fourteen fantastic players. Uh, after Pacheco, I mean, the the ridicule just never stopped for Ellis Gordon. 
Yeah, like, as much as I wanted it to happen, which is why I made the proclamation earlier, there, there's no way Jonathan Taylor's not going to be the first overall pick. But you never know. He could pull the surprise of the century, but I doubt it. I would love to see it. There would be no ridicule, ridicule from me. I, I would be very happy to see that. I mean, I will say, if there's any league where something like that would be appreciated by the rest of the league, it would be this league. Like it, oh, it would be sure. people that that watch him that that watched him every single week, um, in person or produce broadcast, you know, starring him. Um, so you know, if any if any league were were to appreciate something like that, it would be this one for sure. Um, yeah, that would be that be that would be something that would go down in the history books if if Isaiah Pacheco went first overall to Ellis Gordon. Yeah, I think. I, I, for one, hope it happens. But with that, that's going to do it for Locks of the Week. When we come back, we're going to continue. Uh, how about baseball talk, guys? We'll talk some baseball when we come back from the break. You're listening to Friday Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Welcome back to the Friday Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. I'm Jake Maysell alongside Gideon Fox our sports director, and Brett Hahn on the Zoom, on the computer screen, whose face I can't currently see because he doesn't have his camera on. Uh, Confirmed. Welcome. Brett has no face. No, he doesn't have a face. Confirmed. Not. I mean, technically, we're on the radio, so none of us have faces. <laughs> True. <laughs> none of us have faces. But you know who do have faces? The people who play Major League Baseball. And we're going to talk some Major League Baseball. Let's start with Brett's very own New York Metropolitans. You got any cool insights for us about the New York Mets, Brett? For one, I I work at a a shop right a few days a week, and there's always a guy that orders uh, orders a catering order. It's the Stephen Cohen. I, I mean, obviously, it's probably not the Mets owner, but every time I see that name, I hope it is. And then he comes into the store, but but besides that, um, I, I mean, look, the Mets got a good, a nice comeback win or bounce back win, excuse me, last night against the Rockies. Uh, Jacob Degrom again went six innings, struck out nine batters. He he's been electric, but being able to still throw a hundred and knowing he has a noodle arm scares the living Jesus out of me. I w- I, I want him to stay healthy so bad, but. Every time I see one of those 100-mile-per-hour fastballs, I fear that he's going to re-aggravate an injury or start a new one. So, um, you know, other than that, the Mets have been doing their thing. Uh, Brett Beatty, after an electric two games, hasn't really been doing too much. But, you know, he has some solid defense to him, so I guess he's got that going for him. But I don't know. I I, I mean – being really tight, there's nothing new around the Mets, you know. Like I think it's two games now that the Mets are up on the Braves, and that they just won't go away. So that's going to be the main storyline going down the stretch. I I assume that you Mets fans are going to be rooting for the St. Louis Cardinals this weekend, who are playing the Atlanta Braves. Cardinals trying to fight for that playoff spot. They they've got a good lead in that division right now, but you know, obviously they want to increase that lead and. You know, make sure that Milwaukee can't come back on them. Um, so I, I guess we're rooting for St. Louis tonight, huh? 
in this weekend? Uh, I, I'm rooting for anybody that plays the Braves. I just want a decent division lead. Like, like I, I, I'll use the Yankees as an example, right? They, they scorched to a dominant start, right? They, they had a horrible beginning of August. And even, like, you know, you could even say post-All-Star break up until, like, this point. They've been awful. And they still had an eight-game lead in the division. That's crazy. The, the Mets have the defending champs on their tails all year. So anybody that plays the Braves, I, I, I mean, it, it could even be the Yankees. I'll be rooting for the Yankees to beat the Braves in a heartbeat. So the Braves just won't go away. They're they're a great team. They lock up all their young talent. And, and uh, I mean, I have to give them props even though I don't like them. They're well, incredible. I, I will remember you said that next season when the Yankees play the Braves. <laughs> I will remember oh, of that course. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and even this season, Jake. Like I've, you know, known on crew multiple times, and I'll, I and I'll say it again. I am in a full on truce with the Yankees right now, right? It, as long as the Mets are in the playoffs or, or or they have games remaining, the Yankees are fine. It's the moment that the Mets are out that I won't be rooting for the Yankees anymore. I want to see nothing but a Subway Series. I've been saying it all year. I will go crazy if I can go to a World Series game, and it's those two teams playing. So, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed every single day that it happens. Alrighty, I hope it happens too. Now, Giddy, you had a question before we came back on the air. You wanted to ask a question that was baseball related. Shoot us that question, Giddy. Yeah, Brad, I'm going to say you inspired me with this, talking about Aaron Judge. Um, Aaron Judge, 48 home runs. Obviously, the big number is 60. Albert Pujols, speaking of the Cardinals, 693 home runs. He wants to be the fourth player to reach 700. Which do you guys think is more likely? That Albert Pujols, in his final season with the team that you know brought him up, made him what he was, gets seven home runs, becomes the fourth player with 700 career home runs, or Aaron Judge hit 60 home runs in one year? So it's 12 home runs for Aaron Judge, seven for Albert Pujols. Which one is more likely? Ooh, that's tough. So, so just to just to kind of go over, you know, the the what we're talking about here. We're talking the the last day of the regular season is going to be, I believe, Wednesday, October fifth. Obviously, it's this late because the season got pushed back due to the lockout that we all pretend to forget happened. Um, but that will be the last day of the Major League Baseball regular season. Today is Friday, August the 26th. So if I look at my calendar, because I always forget how many days are in August. <laughs> 31. 31. So we've got five more days left in August, then 30 days of September, then five days of October. So we've got... We've got 40 days. Obviously, he's not going to play all 40 of those days, right? But Albert Pujols has 40 days to hit seven home runs. Aaron Judge has 40 days to... You, we said the big number is 60, right? Not Yes, yes. Said just to get the 60, then we can talk about breaking the record. He has 40 days to hit 12 home runs. I think on the pace that both of them are on, and, and, and technically, technically it's forty-one if you include today. Um, if we're if we're judging just both of them on the pace that they're on, I think it's entirely reasonable that both will happen. 
Um, as for which I think is more likely, honestly, I'm going to say Albert Pujols hitting 70 home runs in fo- within a span of 41 days because, I mean, you know, he's been, he's been, I wouldn't say on a tear lately, but he's been doing a good job of hitting the ball out lately. We've still got a whole month and change left of the regular season. Plus, the thing for Albert Pujols that we also have to remember, this is career home runs. It's not just regular season. This is all home runs for his entire career. The Cardinals are likely going to make the playoffs. So that's just 41 days left of the regular season plus however long he's in the postseason. So it's entirely possible that if he doesn't get to 700 within the rest of the regular season, he could have more time still in order to get to that milestone with the number of home runs he needs to get much smaller. You know, let's say three. You know, he let's say he hits four more home runs. So now he, so then he would pass a rod. He would ju- need just three more. But let's say we've hit October already. You know, he could have a whole postseason series to do that. So I think that's much more likely. Just, just by that yeah. alone. Yeah, I mean, look, like this is this is also like regular season home runs. So I'm, I mean, it's it's tough for me because. Albert Pujols is 42 years old. I mean, that that is something that definitely has to be considered. But at the same time, this is, you know, while considering his age, he is one of the best power hitters we've ever seen in the game that did it, did so cleanly. Um, But Judge has just been on such a torrid pace that 60, a few months back, didn't seem out of the realm of possibility. And that fact still remains clear to this day. So I agree with you, Jake, that both can definitely happen. And honestly, I think both will. Like, I'm not going to lock it in, but seven home runs in 41 days for one of the best power hitters we've ever seen. Just 41 days plus. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah, 41 days plus. It it, It sounds good to me. And then bearing health. See no reason why Aaron Judge won't eclipse sixty. But in terms of what I think would happen first, I mean, because because in my head, in my head, I'm going by the less is more mantra. But at the same time, like seven home runs compared to twelve, just despite the different players and their like, you know, their positions in their respective careers, you have to say Albert Pujols has more of a chance to happen than Aaron Judge's for sure. Um, so, so that's what I'm going to go with. But I will admit I'm very torn, and I could go either way with the answer. What about you, Giddy? You're the one who brought up this question. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys answered first because um, I've been thinking about it, and I, I was thinking about Yankee Stadium dimensions versus Bush Stadium dimensions. Okay. Um. I, Brett, I like what you were saying, how both are possible, um, especially with the fact that it's, sure, Judge is going to be the regular season. We're talking about Pujols' career. Um, so we have, Jake, like you said, 41 days plus however long they're in the playoffs. Um, if I had to pick one, I think I would pick Albert Pujols. Um and again, that doesn't mean I don't think it's going to be Aaron Judge, but I think for Albert Pujols, it's such a poetic way to end your career. Come back to the team that brought you up uh, in the playoffs, you know, if he doesn't get it within the next 
41 days. Um, I think it, I just think it's it's less home runs. It's it, it just comes down to numbers. Um, as we know, they're both incredibly capable power hitters. Um, but when it just comes down to numbers. It's it's seven versus twelve, and it's forty one days plus. Um, I think for me, it just comes down to numbers. And you forget, you know, forget about Yankee Stadium dimension and how it's shorter than Bush Stadium. Um, I, I think, but for these two players, the difference of you know ten feet here, twenty feet there isn't really going to affect them. Um, these guys no, are no, no, definitely not. I mean, like think about Aaron Judge. He can he can hit the ball. To the moon, you know, what does it matter if he hits it to, you know, right behind the wall in short right field in Yankee Stadium? We know he can hit it out anywhere. So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Not to say that he hasn't hit a home run there, but he is he doesn't consistently hit home runs to the first row of seats. Um, so I'm kind of getting rid of the dimension argument, um, and I just think it comes down to numbers. And I think if I had to pick one, it would be Pujols, um, but I think both of these are, are very, very possible. I don't think Judge is gonna is gonna be able to break Barry Bonds. Was it seventy three? Oh, is no. really seventy three is not possible. Like not, I think that that's point. way that's out of the question. I mean, I mean he was so so the way it was happening, he was behind. He was not far behind Barry Bonds' pace for a little while. You know, through the number of team games, you know, he had about forty three home runs or whatever. Barry Bonds had about like forty five. But you know, back back in one when. Barry Bonds, um, you know, did absolutely nothing shady, definitely, to get to those no, 73 no, home runs. Just stepped in the batter's box and, with, and swung within, the bat. It, within the months of August and September, went on an absolutely, like, he he was on, he, he, he just went on a killing streak <laughs> of just murdering baseballs for two whole months, you know, to hit, to hit um, 28 more home runs within two months. That's... I mean, just just think about it. That within two months to hit twenty eight home runs, that's a home run roughly once every other day. That's that's kind of crazy. And then to hold that and have consistency. Yeah, to hold that at that at that consistency. I mean, we you know. I I we I like to make my little my little comments, you know. Oh, he allegedly did this. Oh, you know, he definitely nothing shady happened. But like, I mean, steroids or not, Barry Bonds was a great hitter. <laughs> you know, he had such an eye for the ball to be able to just hit the ball that consistently is was a marvel. And Aaron Judge has been a very good hitter this season, borderline three hundred. I don't know if I I don't think he's that good. He. But that's not what matters here. Everyone, what everyone's been talking about is will he break Roger Maris's American League and Yankees franchise record of sixty-one? And he's a little behind that pace right now, but I think he can do it, especially considering you know we've still got a few games in October to worry about. So you know it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I like I like what you were saying, Giddy, about Albert Pujols. I mean, imagine. You know, going into the playoffs, he needs one home run. And in the postseason, he hits number 700. I mean, imagine the electric atmosphere at Bush Stadium if that were to happen. Right, after the team that he did so much for. And he was with the Angels for, what, two years? Something like that? Yeah, he was with them for like a little more. five years. Yeah, yeah, he was with them for a while. And now he's back doing his farewell tour um, on a team with a very, very passionate fan base and a, and a fan base that, knows what success looks like. Um, I think baseball 
always has those poetic scripts, especially as the weather starts getting a little bit colder. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to circle back to the home run discussion because you brought up a very interesting point, Giddy, about Barry Bonds' record of 73 home runs in a single season. I was asked a question the other day that really made my really made me think, and this is in regards to the steroid era of baseball. Of which regular season record you recognize? Do you recognize Barry Bonds as the single season home run leader? Or do you recognize Roger Maris, a guy who maybe did it with a little bit more integrity from 61 as the whole, the single season record for home runs? Yeah, I'm, that, that's an excellent question, Brett, and I understand why you had to think about that one. Did you come to a, to a solution, to a decision? Yeah, so the, the the question the question was asked to me. I I, I didn't come up to the, with the question at all. I, I was actually on a podcast the other night, and it was hard, man. Like it, in the moment, it's it stumped me. But I I don't know because on one hand, Barry Bonds didn't you know for the first like nine ten seasons of his career didn't do steroids, and he was still he was still MVP caliber hitter. Maybe not as much of the power per se, but he still was able to slug the baseball at an elite rate. So, you know, do you recognize what he did pre-steroids or not was really at the center of my answer. And then, you know, Roger Maris, 61, uh, you know, obviously, you know, he, he didn't use any PEDs. It was back in the 1960s Yankees. Um, so so I understand why media pundits label that as the, so, the quote-unquote actual home run record. So – can really go either way for me. I I I didn't come up with a solution because personally, the Barry Bonds thing doesn't offend me as much as it does uh, baseball media. I I think for me, it it's I think about it and it's like, you know, I could whine about it not being legitimate, but ultimately, it doesn't really matter which one you recognize more because let's be real, seventy three even with steroids, I don't think seventy three is a number that is realistically achievable by a major league baseball player in the modern era because pitching is just so good that it's it's just I mean, there's a reason we haven't seen a player hit sixty home runs since two thousand one. You know, pitching has just gotten so much better in the twenty one years since that record since Barry Bonds shattered that record at 73. So honestly, it's an interesting discussion to have, but I don't think it really matters whether or not you consider 73 to be the legitimate record because no one's going to break it is kind of my thought process. So you might as well strive for 61 anyway, regardless of whether or not you consider that to be the legitimate record because that's a much more realistic goal to try and achieve than 73. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to kind of leave it off, I guess on this note, if anybody has, a, and I'm sure you guys can speak to those too as Yankees fans. Uh, if anybody's a chance to get a Roger Maris record, it's Aaron judge. If he continues his tour pace, I don't see any reason why he won't, but 41 plus days left. We're, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, and keep a close eye on every at-bat that Aaron Judge has. Yep. 
Well, that's going to do it for hour one of the Friday crew. We're going to have to say goodbye to Mr. Gideon Fox, our sports director. He has to leave for hour two. Thank you for joining us, Giddy. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. And when we come back from the break, we'll have Can We Just Talk on the Friday crew. Stay tuned to that. You're listening to WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org.